everybody. Welcome back to We Dig Tennessee. I'm your host, Matt Mingus. Uh, thank you guys for being here. Thanks for listening. Uh, before we get started, I want to take a second to thank everybody for participating in the first two weeks of the Toolbox Talk Contest. It's been a great turnout, gotten a lot of responses. Let's continue to grow this thing. Let's continue to send this thing out to some more people. Let's get some more people involved. Uh, can't say thank you enough. I appreciate all the effort that everybody that is participating has put into this. It's great. We're doing a great job of supporting our industry, supporting safe digging, and in supporting ourselves by trying to grow everybody's awareness to safe digging and what it means to what we do. You know, safe digging is about more than just us protecting facilities while we're digging. You know, these facilities, if they're not protected appropriately and damaged and covered up or whatever it might be, you know, that, that can lead to serious consequences to someone's home, someone's community. So thank you guys all for supporting this initiative and being a part of it. Um, with that, guys, we'll jump right into week three's toolbox talk. We're, we're going to go over positive response this week, what it is, how you can use it out there in the field. Did you know that you can check the status of your 811 ticket online? All you have to do is search your ticket online in an online platform called Positive Response. You can check your ticket through Tennessee 811's mobile app or online at tn811.com. Checking your ticket in the Positive Response system is an important part of safe digging process and it can get you on the job site faster. Positive Response will give you up-to-date information from the utilities that are being marked. If all utilities have responded to say that the facilities are marked and or not in conflict, then you're clear to start digging, even if the three working days, the 72 hours excluding weekends and holidays, have not passed. So if you've checked your positive response and there's nothing in conflict in your excavation area, you're good to go. Always look for an indication of mismarked utilities or unmarked lines at the job site. And remember that you are required to call in a second notice, even if there's clear evidence of unmarked utilities. So just I know we touched on that a little bit last week, so I'll touch on it just a touch again. When you get on the job site, always look for evidence of unmarked utilities because it is your responsibility as the excavator. If there is evidence that there are utilities present that haven't been marked, to make a second call to 811. Now we're just going to go over a few of the locate positive response codes that you may see. Number one, located or marked facilities. Utility in conflict has been marked and located with paints and or flags. Number two, clear no conflict. Utility in question is not in your excavation area. Number three, in conflict. Utility representative must be present during excavation. So this is one you'll commonly see when crossing a major transmission line. Uh, I know I see it a lot when dealing with gas companies. Um, I know Kinder Morgan is one that anytime you cross one of their facilities, one of their major transmission lines, they won't be on site to supervise the excavation and activity which that's their right, that's their facility. They're trying to do the best they can to protect it, just the same as we should be. Not only will they want to have someone on site, but that line should also be indicated with service markings. Number four, locate delayed. Underground utilities will not be marked by the start date and time on the ticket. That does not let an es- a utility operator out of their es- obligation to mark that line under state laws. If someone turns in a locate delayed, you're probably, if there's a slim chance it's going to get marked on, it's obviously it's not going to get marked on time, but there's a slim chance it's going to get marked. So best practice as an excavator would be to go back and make a second notice to 811 just so that you know you're good to go. 
So if you get locate delayed, know that that does not clear that utility to not mark that. It is still their obligation per the law to mark it. But just for, for an excavator's sake, best practice would be to go ahead and make a second request to A11 because you know that the utility is there somewhere because they said they're going to mark it, but just not on time. It's still They still have to mark it on time by the law, but making that second request should help you out in the process of getting your, your project going. Number five, cannot locate contact utility. You often see this one when a utility owner cannot locate something, uh, but they know it's in the area. So just contact that utility. Um, a lot of times there's, you know, I know I see when working around, working on gas systems, if there's, especially an older part of a system that maybe wasn't installed with traceability aspects or, or whatever it might be, they'll, they'll put cannot locate or unlocatable is another commonly used term for that one. That point, you just need to contact that utility. A lot of times they'll get with you, come up with a plan, look at the old maps or get the old timer that knows, knows the whole system or whatever out there to help you guys find it. So if you see that one, just work with you, with your utility and, and everything will get handled. All right, number six, located to meter only. Private property beyond meter, not located. Uh, this one indicates a lot of, you know, especially you see it a lot with water, sewer especially. They'll mark the main and to the tap or to the meter, but they don't mark past that because everything beyond the tap or meter is considered private property, considered to be the homeowner's responsibility to maintain the water and sewer companies don't maintain those lines. So essentially if it you're digging on the private property side of the meter, it's your responsibility to find those. You can hire private locating companies or you can attempt to locate it yourself. There's that's kind of a sticky situation, but there are there are uh, private locating companies that can come do that for you at a cost of course. But they they can't come out there and find that. But if you see that on the ticket, that means that the facility has been marked up to where the private property starts. All right, number seven, utility generated ticket, self-locate. Many utilities do not locate for work being called in on their own facilities. This is something to keep in mind if you show up on a job site and there are no marks on the ground for the utility that you're working on. I know I see that a lot with one of our contracts. The particular utility owner does not mark their facilities for us. So if I call in a ticket to work on their facility in their area, they're not going to mark it. It's our responsibility per our contract with that utility to find that on our own or to locate it ourselves. We become the locators. They're not going to send out their contract locators or in-house locators to find it. We have, to, we have to do it. So if you see that, that's most likely coming from utility you're working for, and you should already know if you're supposed to do that. If you see that and that's not in your contract, you probably need to call the utility and be like, hey, what's going on with this? All right, number eight, no marking needed dig site outside of utility service area. If you see this one, that means that a utility has been notified of a locate request, but when they check their maps, they don't actually have any utilities in that area. It's outside of their surface area. So if you see that one, you know, it, you should be good to go, but it's probably a good idea just to do a quick job site walkthrough, make sure you're not seeing anything that's been on, that's not marked or anything of that nature. Cause that typically means that that utility doesn't have anything in that area, but you never know. 
crazier things have happened. Well, that's the info on positive response. Uh, be looking for the email from Judah as well that has this toolbox talk in it. It's a pretty good one. Uh, we're also going to be adding into the show notes of this of this podcast a link to a YouTube video from Tennessee 811 to talk even more about positive response. Guys, I can't tell you enough how great of a tool this is for you and for your guys. Anybody can download the Tennessee 811 app on their smartphone or tablet or whatever they have out in the field if they have them. Hell, even if even if you don't provide them to your guys, most likely they've got their own. They can download the Tennessee 811 app, go to Positive Response, check their ticket number. I mean, everybody should have their ticket number on site. That's part of what somebody will look for if they come out and inspect your job site. They're going to want to see that you have that ticket number because it's in the law that you have to have one. So anybody can take their ticket number, put it in, search, find out what utilities have been marked, what haven't been marked. Uh, you can even use it to check updates on tickets. When you update a ticket, go put in your updated ticket number. Make sure that everything's being updated in a timely manner. So it's just, as an excavator, a good tool for us to use to make sure that the utilities are being held uh, to their end of the bargain. Uh, so make sure you get this email from Judah. Make sure you send it out to your crews. Make sure they'll give the crews the information to listen to this podcast so they can hear us talk about it a little, in a little bit more uh, depth. All right, guys, we're going to switch gears a little bit now. we got a special guest with us today from Thompson Cat Machinery, Mr. Chris Thomas. How are you, buddy? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great, man. Uh, we really appreciate Cat and you and, and Trace and the guys over there at Thompson for everything y'all are doing to help us out with Safe Digging Month. I know the the cooler we gave away in week one was a huge hit. Everybody loved it. They, I had a few people tell me that a, apparently I sold it so well on the podcast they wanted one too. So <laughs> we, uh, we really appreciate you guys giving us a prize for week three as well. Yeah, we can provide a link afterwards to get some coolers if we need to. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. Uh, well, man, I, I know outside of you guys' support of the contest and, and Safe Digging Month and everything you're doing for the chapter, I know CAT itself has some, some pretty awesome things that can help with damage prevention and safe digging in, in as far as R&D and new technology and some of their machines. And I, I'd love it if you, got, if you could kind of explain some of it for us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've got through our product line, it's still rolling out in some models, but Cat's intent is to push it, uh, the excavator line from top to bottom. A lot of safety features and grading features that help on the job with safe digging, safe operation. Uh, you know, the goal is to get everyone home safe every day. So with that, uh, we've got three things I want to hit on. First one, uh, kind of simple but really effective is uh, an upgraded camera option in the new excavators. Uh, right now, rear view cameras kind of standard. A lot of machines have that, but what CAT has done has added a right-hand option camera so you can see off the blind side of your excavator. And then they've added an upgradable version of that to a 360-degree bird's-eye view of your machine. So if you're operating in tight areas near buildings, roadways, or you've got a lot of uh, field guys out around the machine, the operator can see every corner before he starts to make a move. So all that pulls in directly. That's awesome. The, yep. All it pulls in directly to the cab in a uh, touch screen. Um, you can have the camera on, I guess, two settings. One, if you're moving, the camera can be on when you move, or you can have it on all the time. That way, even if you're sitting, waiting for somebody to do something in front of you, you can still see around you. So 
Uh, really neat feature and a great safety feature to uh, keep everyone safe around the machine. Uh, from- so let me ask you this. How does the, the 360 bird's eye camera work? Is it like one camera up top that kind of covers everything or is it a bunch of individual like small cameras around the thing? Four individual cameras. Uh, you've got your rear view camera, which is standard in the machine. You've got a right hand camera just off the just kind of above the, the door over there to uh, the hydraulic access. You've got one on your left hand just behind the operator station where you would get in. And then you've got one that actually mounts on top of the cab. And the way the computer downloads, I guess, all the, the, the images, puts it into a bird's eye view like you were actually probably about 15, 20 feet above the machine. It's a really slick view. It actually has the top of the machine. Even though the cameras aren't filming it, you see the top of the machine and probably 10 feet off of you know each corner. It's a really neat, neat view. Well, that's awesome, man. Yeah, um, yeah. I can see where that could come in super handy if you're if you're out on the job site, got guys fueling machines or or, or ditch guys down below you somewhere. And that right hand camera, man, that that's awesome. I know how cumbersome it can be to see out the right side of that machine at times. I mean, it's damn near impossible. Oh yeah, absolutely. And if you know, even from you know, not necessarily safety, but just a uh, an expense on the job, you're not you don't have guys smashing the counterweight or the doors, hopefully into trees or things that they. They think they've got clearance, but they may not have. So, uh, on top of safety, hopefully, got some money on the job as well. Yeah, it's amazing what those counterweights can find. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. And I, I guess you guys have got another feature. Uh, I understand as an e-fence, maybe to. Yeah. You can, you can kind of set some parameters around depth and stuff, if I understand it correctly. Yeah, absolutely. So with e-fence, uh, what the, the, the specific goal here is safety um, with different application in mind. What you can do in e-fence, you can set five different parameters for machine where it'll stop. So I, for instance, the first and I think the most used I've seen so far since these have rolled out has been the swing e-fence with the swing stop. So you can set a swing right and a swing left stop. That way, if you're digging near a roadway or, again, buildings, trees, you know, or if you've got you know, operators or you know, field guys down to the right or the left of the machine, you can set that machine to stop at, say, if you want it 20 degrees or even just move the machine before you start operating. You can say, hey, my right swing, I want it to stop here and then swing back to your left, and then it gives you a... Uh, a, per, a range that you're swinging in. And as you push to that, that boundary, the machine slows to a stop and won't let the operator push through it. Uh, so that's in the swing. Oh, that's awesome. Same thing with the, the boom, you've got a boom up and then a dig depth. Uh, the boom up is better used if you're doing say demo or indoor work, as well as under existing power lines or something like that, that you don't want to boom up and into as you're digging out of a hole. Uh, you can raise the boom and set it, say, Hey, boom stops here when I'm booming up and it won't push through. And then as well as a floor, you can set, you know, two foot, three foot, four foot depth that the, as you push down with the, the stick or the bucket, it won't push through that floor as well. So again, kind of goes back to existing lines or utilities, uh, things like that. And then the final, the fifth feature on that is what they call cab avoidance. So if you've got a longer attachment, say a hammer or a shear or something like that, that can get into the cab of the machine, 
if you curl it all the way in. Or if you've got a bucket and you're scooping out concrete, like large slabs of concrete or asphalt, big rock on a job, you can actually set that stick curl in as a stop. That way you can't curl in with a big piece of concrete or a hammer and, and hit the cab with that. Oh, that's cool. I, I didn't I didn't realize that was one of the features because that, yeah, if you can stop you from bringing that into your cab, that keeping your operator safe, that's exactly. awesome. Exactly. You know, no broken glass doesn't compromise the uh, rollover protection on the, the, the ROPS. So, yeah, it's a great safety feature when working with things outside of the norm from just a, a bucket full of dirt. Uh, and I guess oh, too with super defense, cool. uh, it kind of plays into the third feature I was going to talk about, the 2D grade features that come standard in the machine. Along with the floor on the e-fence, you can actually set 2D grade features with your machine that will allow you to, without a 3D, without a base station, receivers, radio, any of that, you could set a dig depth floor where you can put the bucket down and based on the teeth position, as you curl in, all you have to do is pull the, the stick back and the boom moves up and down to keep the grade that you've set. So say you're digging a trench and you've got a flat floor for three feet coming to you and then a 2% rise for another three feet. You can set benchmarks and parameters in the computer on the machine. And then as you pull back, the machine actually holds that, that grade you've set and won't let you dig through it. Uh, using some positioning sensors on the machine. So it's a great intro to technology that, one, keeps everybody safe, keeps you safe digging around existing utilities, but also lets you be more productive and efficient on the job without having to get into the 3D uh, right off the bat. I know it's an expensive upgrade for for most folks. So, yeah, it's a really neat neat feature. Yeah, that's that's really cool. That oh, almost sounds like cheating. That's like operating for dummies, you know. <laughs> well, and you know, everybody knows the the workforce is is thin with experienced operators too. So I think it shortens the learning curve for guys, especially younger people that are used to the the technology, you know, video games, that kind of thing. It, it gets them in there and helps mm-hmm. them one understand some of the job nuances as well as makes it a little easier when they're not as they're not as efficient with it. They don't have the experience with it like some of the guys have been doing it for 20 years can go out there and do it with a blindfold on. So yeah, I, I was sitting there thinking the same thing. That that sounds like that's right up the alley of of guys learning there or that aren't ex, as experienced or as fluid as on a machine, you know. Some of these guys have been doing it for a long time. I swear some of them could feel a fishing line in the ground when they're digging where some of these young guys don't, you know, they'll say they're operators, but they can barely run a skid steer and yeah, that could be that could be key to maybe helping train and teach these guys. That, yeah. That's an awesome tool, man. Yeah, the training with that, you know, again, it goes back to the technology. You know, with the world we're in today, the technology is a you know, in general, you know, look at the phone and in your hand and the things you can do with it. You know, we're starting to incorporate some of that into the machines we have now as well. Yeah, that, that's really awesome. So. The uh, well, man, I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing this information with us. Those are some really awesome tools that, that could benefit anybody in any any company, any member of NUCA of Middle Tennessee. So yeah. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and share that with us. Yeah, if everybody, anybody needs to see it in person and want to kind of understand how it can help their job sites, we're more than welcome to show it off at our shop or in the field. Just, uh, you know, reach out to us and we'd be more than happy to help. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and guys, I'll, I'll add uh, Chris's email address and he sent me a couple of links to some of these products uh 
I'll add that all that in the show notes. So if you're if you're listening to the podcast and you want to check it out, just click on the show notes and you'll be able to get in touch with Chris and uh, and check out these emails or I mean these these links to to these to these features um, that way. Um, Chris, again, man, I want to say thank you to you for coming on with us and thank you to Thompson Cat Machinery for supplying a couple of prizes for the for the Toolbox Talk contest. Um, you know, week one the cooler was awesome, so they and Thompson Cat has generously decided to supply us with another cooler for week three. So, guys, if you if you're listening to this podcast and you've got the email from Judah with the Toolbox Talk in it, you know, jump on there, get that thing filled out, get it turned back in. We're going to be giving away another cat cooler this week. So, Good again, stuff. again, Chris, thank you guys. Hey, thank you for having us on. I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, share what we've got to help keep everybody safe. And we, we appreciate you guys' partnership as a part of our chapter. You guys have been great to us and can't thank you enough. Uh, uh, with, and with that, man, well, I guess we'll we'll start to wrap it up. You got any closing thoughts on anything? No, just uh, everybody stay safe uh, and uh, appreciate you having me on here. All right, man, we appreciate it. All right, everybody, stay safe out there and keep digging Tennessee.